Welcome back to the Foreign Policy Profcast. My name is Mark Melton, and today I am sharing a conversation that executive editor Mark Levecki had with Keith Pavlicek. And in this, they talk about Kyle Rittenhouse and the shootings in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And one of the things that they wanted me to let you know was that the conversation happened earlier on September 10th, and that some of the news has changed, some different stories have come out and videos have come out, but we still wanted to share this conversation with you because it is still pertinent. Around the same time that they were having this conversation, I also wrote up a piece talking about some of the same issues and talking about right authority, vigilante justice, and um, how it all relates to this. And so in the show notes, you can find links to this article and some of the other articles that they mention in this talk. Hello, everybody. I am Mark Levecki. Welcome to another edition of the Provcast. Uh, as I said, I'm Mark Levecki. I am the executive editor of Providence Magazine and currently Stockdale Research Fellow with the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. And I am here with Keith Pavlicek, who is a senior editor at Providence. He was there at the founding, and he is much else besides. Keith, who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm a senior editor, I suppose, of Providence, which means that I don't have to edit anything. That's right. You just get to be senior, and you don't yeah. have to, to right. do a thing. It's perfect. Right, right. So um, I guess the most um, uh, relevant comment I can make to this point is I've done uh, some writing and research on the theory and history of the just war tradition. And I'm interested in uh, what we're going to talk today, particularly questions related to uh, the nature of justice, how that relates to issues of vengeance, which also directly relates in a political sense to questions of vigilanteism. And just trying to think through all these questions from a Christian realist viewpoint. Excellent. So, Very good. Yeah. And, and you've lived this, right? I think it's important to say, it's, it's noteworthy to say uh, you are a retired Marine. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, so this, this is stuff that has been more than of academic interest to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, you know, it was um, my academic background is in Christian ethics, uh, moral theology and philosophy and, and my and my other life is uh, as a professional military Marine Corps officer, and putting those two together leads me to my academic interests of late and yeah. asking these questions and and teaching them and uh, so that's sort of what leads us to no, today's absolutely our, our our of of I think interest uh, our orbits had crossed a couple of times before we became friends. Uh, my first encounter with you, I think, was when I was. Actually, my first encounter with you, you came to Wheaton College where oh, I was yeah. doing a master's degree oh, yeah. to talk yeah. about just war. And that's where I first discovered, wow, not all Christians are really uh, like-minded on these issues yeah, like I, you in and fact, I, I, I The provocative title was uh, whether, whether pacifists too can be saved. That's right. Which, of course, is a, good riff is on a Luther, send up on, right? on Luther's whether soldiers Absolutely. No, that was saved. perfect. Yeah. My second encounter with you, though, is when I was doing my dissertation. Uh, I had decided that one of the frames I was going to give it was to say that Reinhold Niebuhr was a pacifist, and I was going to move forward from there. And if anybody's interested in that, I've I've written on it before. Uh, called it the the problem of paradox. You can find it on the Providence website, and it's in my forthcoming book uh, with Oxford Press coming out in July. But I wanted to see if anybody else out there said something so complete, as Niebuhr was a pacifist. And I find this guy Keith Pavlicek, 
uh, who uh, in an excellent chapter in a book edited by Eric Patterson uh, says exactly that. So you feature prominently in the forthcoming book. So thank you for all that. Uh, but we are here to, today uh, to continue a conversation that we started over incredible uh, smoked meats. Keith is also an incredible cook, usually of meats that he has killed. Uh, which, you know, is, is unique in and of itself. Uh, but we started talking about uh, Rittenhouse and the, the mm -hmm. shooting in Kenosha, and that led to a discussion of Westerns. And I won't give the whole game away uh, quite yet, but... Western films. Western films, sorry. Not Western films, films about the Old West. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the man who shot Liberty Valance in particular, uh, but others beside. Uh, so why did Rittenhouse launch us what were we, what was your discussion point well, on that well when the when the event happened in kenosha in a way it wasn't at all surprising in fact it was kind of surprising to me that something like this didn't happen sooner that yeah, right. somebody would would come to a riot armed and people would would be getting killed and so when this happened i was particularly interested to see whether this was a cold-blooded act of vigilantism when people where, where somebody uh, showed up at this ride and started quote scare quotes uh, take the law into their own hands and and um, and it didn't take long really in today's world to find some very well done videos on YouTube All right and in fact it, one of the things I found interesting was that there was some high quality synchronization and timing and, and videos of this on YouTube within a day or two of the shootings there that were was far superior in terms of the video and the analysis than right. anything you got on the media. That's right. Because the media did do what you suggested they would do, which was to say that this was a cold-blooded right. series of assassinations. Yeah. You, you know, the white supremacists right. came to, came and, and it was a white hat, black hat, uh, uh, situation and I'm perfectly willing to you know condemn a situation in which there was that kind of vigilantism you know talk about well what would a vigilante be you know somebody would go up on a rooftop with a high-powered rifle and start shooting people because the police you know aren't aren't there and they're gonna finally get these antifas or whatever right, right. Um, but it turned out that that wasn't really what was what seemed to be going on right. but, uh, um, by the, the videos and the, and the, and the videos, you know, there's a 17 year old kid that we had uh, was a little murky at the very beginning, what was going on, but there seemed to be some rioters burning, you know, setting fire to a dumpster and it was put out and we're not really sure whether Rittenhouse pointed his weapon at somebody or what, what, whatever. But what we know from the beginning is that Rittenhouse is running away through a parking lot and he's being chased. And we see somebody who eventually turned out to be the first guy that was killed, throw something at him. And then he disappears behind a car and we hear a number of shots. And, and then we know that this guy is, is, uh, is killed. He's grazed in the head and, uh, and shot a few other times. He ended up uh, getting killed. And then we, then we see, him coming out like he's going to uh, provide aid. He's right. on the phone, right. 
Uh, and do we know whether or not the speculation, I mean, what was some of the early speculation was mockery, like he's on his phone, you know, too it, casual. Well, yeah, and some of the other one where he was calling 911. But it seems more recently that he actually called a friend and said, hey, I just shot somebody. I think that's the... And was that gloating or was that... No, I don't think... So. I, I, I didn't see that. I, I think right. it was more, oh my goodness, this happened okay. here. But but then while he's on the phone, he's he begins to be chased and he begins to run away. And then we pick up other video where he's running and that's where the mob says we're going to get him. Right. You know, expletive deleted, deleted, and that's when one guy charges at him, jumps over him, and he and he shoots at him. He misses. Yeah, he falls right. So Rittenhouse falls. So he now falls. He's oh yeah, he's on position. the ground. He's right. he's on the ground, and he's actually heading towards the police line. Right. Right. And um and he trips, and the first guy comes by, and I think there was a couple shots at a miss, and then the next guy comes by with a. With, that's the guy with the skateboard. Right. Tries to hit him with the skateboard. Brought a skateboard to a gunfight. He brought a skateboard. To, that's the first lesson you, you learn. You don't bring a Sean skateboard. Sean Connery said that, I think, in a famous film. Yes. <laughs> Never bring a skateboard <laughs> to a gunfight. <laughs> and so he, he, he gets shot and um, through the heart, and he dies pretty much instantly. And then the final uh, casualty was a, uh, a guy that's running up to him. He pauses. And this is, I think this is going to be significant in the trial. He, uh, the kid doesn't shoot him. He yeah, pauses. Rittenhouse has his muzzle. Right? He's, his muzzle his muzzles, muzzles pointed at the, at the guy running up to him. But then the guy pauses, and then he, then he makes another couple steps toward him. And he's, he's, he gets his, um, he's shot in the arm. But I, I, I even want to maybe nuance that a little bit more. If, if I remember the video, not only does he pause, but I think the muzzle lowers. And then it yeah, pops back yeah, up maybe, when the guy charges yeah, again. You know, all of which is yeah, important because yeah. it suggests intent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and did you say that the guy was armed? Yeah. Who got, well, who got initially, when I first saw it, there was talk that he was armed. But, you know, there's so much Photoshopping and crazy stuff right. going on in the Internet. And other people were saying, no, it was a cell phone. So, well, it's pretty much conceded now. By, by everybody that he was armed. It, it appears so, right. And he, the and weapon he, was apparently recovered, and it was not only was he armed, but it was loaded. Yeah, and it was, right. and I think it was an illegal possession. Right. But anyway, that's all. The characters that he shot were not, well, it's, it's like sterling characters, to say the least. So, and then after that, you know, the people that decided it would be fun to chase this guy with a weapon, they, they run off. They've got the good sense. And then you got two lying in the street and then he gets up and he, he slings his um his weapon and he walks with his hands up toward right. the police and the police who have received words of the shooting basically right. you know he's trying to surrender right. to him they says you know by. get out of here they drive by him and go go and of course a lot of people are critical how, you know, how could you see this kid walking towards you with his hands up and then he goes with home. a weapon with the yeah, well, of course he's you know his, his, his he's he's the weapon. He's got his hands up, and then he basically goes home and then surrenders to Illinois, which is like thirty minutes away, and he he turns him turns himself in. And he's from Illinois, which is yeah, he's, he's know, over, the, so over the over the border. Right. Of course, one of the questions is, did he bring that weapon across state lines? And mm -hmm. his, his mm -hmm. lawyers are saying no. He actually came into and he was given the weapon. Oh, okay. Uh, there. And so 
it's an open it's an open right. carry state, and so those are those are the right. those are the side issues. Uh, but he's probably you know it's a class A misdemeanor in Wisconsin to for a seventeen year old to to carry a weapon. So uh, oh, is that right? So he's because he's under eighteen. Yeah, because okay. he's under eighteen. Yeah. So yeah. was he legal for him to be carrying it in the open? That's what's going to be okay. judged. Right. He right. probably. There's exceptions. So, sure. so I, I sure. guess I'm not a lawyer, and so there's some fuzzy legal issues here. So, uh, you know, and then some of the some of the earlier background, it, for, it and all of this is is you know for me simply hearsay. This is what I'm I'm reading. The suggestion was that he had gone to Kenosha uh, to try to protect property. Uh, apparently he was out in front of a car dealership trying to protect the car dealership from yeah, being and looted. Yeah, and there's pictures of him uh, wiping gra- graffiti off a of high school. Right, and giving and aid apparently to there. some protesters who had been tear gassed. Oh, yeah, there's no, there's a, there's an interview right. of asking him, why are you there? And right. he's explaining, yeah, I'm, I'm here to provide medical assistance. I got my medical bag and I got my, I got, I got my gun here. It's an AR uh, a 223 semi-automatic rifle. All right. He, I got my gun here in order to protect myself. That's that's the that's the broader context. And so he he's been. I mean, you can read the the charges online. He's been charged with two counts of first degree homicide. Yeah. First degree one, homicide. One was reckless homicide, and the other one was more hom- significant first degree. Right? Yeah. And you know, and you know, you you've got you've you've got a problem with a seventeen year old kid with an AR being on the streets of Kenosha in yeah. the first place. The whole, yeah. But you know, regardless, the question yeah. then becomes: Is this self defense or is this vigilanteism? Yeah. yeah. Right. He shouldn't have been there. He was there because there was a you know a gap in the policing that was being done. Somebody said that the police had actually seen him at the used car dealership and didn't didn't send him away. Yeah. But he left at one point to do something, came back, and the police said no. Oh, no, no, that the, the police are giving him giving him bottles of water. And, yeah, right, and, right, et cetera. So, I mean, the broader question is, you know, it wasn't just him, but it was it was other private citizens showing up armed. I assume a lot of them since open carry state, you know, right. uh, uh, legally to protect. At least, you know that's their claim to protect the private businesses that had been abandoned, seemingly right. plausibly by, 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 uh, by the police, which is a, which is which is what we're seeing in a lot of ways all over all over the country. Yep. It, it, you and I chatted earlier about what we're seeing, for instance, in in Portland, where the local sheriffs in sh- uh, county sheriffs surrounding Portland. Have refused to right. provide aid in Portland uh, because they're not allowed to use the tools that are required to uh, to inf- to enforce the law. Right. And besides, they're calling in the state police once again in order to provide uh, security and safety within Portland, which means that the state police get pulled out of their jurisdictions. So you have these. You have a state of disorder. Right. Uh, bordering on or even spilling into anarchy, and there is a desire for order and for uh, the rule of law, which brings us right. straight into John Ford. Right, <laughs> and particularly the man who shot Liberty Valley. Right, so give us a, and there there are going to be spoilers here if you have not seen it. Um, shame on you. Yeah, shame you on you. So, you know, you had this coming. 
Uh, but great movies, you can give all the details away and they still stand up yeah. to a first viewing. Uh, yeah. Nothing will be lost in this. Yeah. Um, but there are spoilers ahead. If you want to pause and go watch it, fine, come back. Pause yeah. completed. Keith, why A Man Who Shot Liberty Balance? Well, it, it comes back to um, the question of how how fine a line or how firm a line is there between justice and vengeance right or justice that is that is preserved by lawful authority law law and order uh and vigilantism right and you know we're we we civilized people want to make a strong distinction and right. we want to say that we we don't take vengeance when our neighbors or even our relatives are victims, but we want to leave it. We want to leave it to the law, mm -hmm. and we believe that, for among other things, because vengeance leads to uh, blood feuds. And anybody's ever been in the Baltics, right. or, or rather the Balkans, or served in the Middle East, Middle East you, right. you you know, in tribal societies in which vengeance. Rather than a principle of the rule of law, you, you, we're, you know that's what we want to hold to, right? right. That's, that's right. instinct. But then the question comes in: well, What if you're not in a condition of the rule of law, right. or what if you're in one of those boundary conditions, right? And that's where it becomes. That's where that bright line becomes really fine. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly, it seems to me, what John Ford is yeah. getting at in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valley. So, which is exemplified perfectly by the opening scene. What is the, well, well not yeah. the opening opening scene, but the opening scene where it reflects backwards. Sure, right? sure, so what, sure. When, when, when the outlaw, who is a vicious, viciously played by B. Marvin, <laughs> right. who's a former Marine, by the way, right. uh, he, he holds up the stagecoach coming into 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 this town called Shinbo and he's outside and he, he he robs him and he begins to take a beautiful brooch off of a woman and and the and the Jimmy Stewart character Ransom Stoddard stands up for her and uh, well what kind of people are you and uh, Lee Marvin smacks him around a little bit teaching him that you know it's like you know you're you're real brave here pal but then he really takes a beating when he finds out that in that in that coach's is Ransom Stoddard's law books, right, right, he's going to bring lawyerly justice to the and and we'll soon learn later. Not only that, he's a symbol not just law and order but civilization. And he t and this is where he gets brutally beaten by uh, by by uh, Liberty Valance and left right. for dead. Really, left and he rips dead. up the law books. Rips up the law books, which is symbolically crucial. Yes, yeah, right? and then. And then the next scene, we, we see we're in town and it, we see a, a cart coming in and it's, it's um, uh, John Wayne. It's John Wayne. And John Wayne is um, Tom Donovan. Tom Donovan. Right. And, and he's bringing him in. And so, right. and so, as, as, um, uh, so the opening scene is set up in a way that will, will give you a little cognitive dissonance. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. Because it should be familiar. What's it should sound for any Christian? It should sound familiar. It's like who's who finds the 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 beaten up 
you know, traveler on the road. Absolutely. Right. Right. And so we're getting a picture of a good Samaritan here. Right. And if, and if you doubt this, right, pay attention. He's waylaid on the side of the road. Donovan comes along, puts him on his cart, takes him into town to a, an inn pays for him pays for him to be taken care yeah. of and the and the innkeepers are swedish swedish immigrants and right. so he pays for them so it's 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 you can't miss it uh, except what we learn is tom donovan is not just sort of like <laughs> he's not a quaker right he's the he's not hauerwas's vision no, of a good no smart, no right? no he's the baddest dude right so, you know there's one the great line is that um uh Liberty Valance is the is the uh, is the not the baddest dude, but he's the he's he's the toughest man south of the picket wire, which is the is the river. And he said, except for me, in that John Wayne. <laughs> and so, and John Wayne is a gunfighter, right? You know, he's a rancher who lives outside of town, which is itself is not insignificant in John Ford's mm-hmm. uh, uh, universe, and. Um, and so the way it all unfolds is uh, uh, Tom Donovan mocks, ends up mocking uh, uh, Stoddard's uh, reliance on the law. Right. Right. And there's a, there's a great scene with the sheriff. Remember, it's like uh, 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 when, when, he, when, he, when, when they initially begin to discussing it, and the sheriff says, "Liberty, rest, liberty, valence. I don't have any uh, 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 jurisdiction. Yeah, I don't have any jurisdiction. jurisdiction. But then the next day, he got his law books out. And he goes, well, you do have jurisdiction.' Right. And right. the sheriff says, "What?" He says, so "Go arrest them." He said, "Arrest who?" He says, "Liberty, valence." He says, "And the sheriff, who's a buffoon in the, right. is a kind of buffoonish character, right. says, no, no, I don't think so because mm-hmm. he's not either. He's he's not just not capable of doing it." He's like, he's just like so many sheriffs in the Westerns, he's either incompetent or corrupt. And it's going to require somebody else to provide the civilizing influence. Right. And so, right. absolutely. And so, and, and of course there's the great scene with um, the first confrontation. Uh, I think we chatted about this a little bit. The first confrontation is in the, is it, is in the inn. Liberty balances comes in, he throws some paying customers out and he sees, he, he makes fun of uh, Stoddard who's, who's serving as the waitress. Right. And he trips him, and the steak falls down. Of course that's Liberty. That's a Tom Donovan steak. Right. And we're about to have a shootout right there in the inn between Liberty Valance and Tom Donovan because and Donovan tells him, pick up my steak. Donovan right. tells Liberty Ballas to right. pick up my steak. And one of his sidekicks goes goes to pick it up, Liberty Ballas' sidekick. He kicks him in the head and says, I told you, Liberty. And what happens is they're about to go, they're about to draw down right there. And it would not have ended well for Liberty Balance. Right. But Stoddard, Stoddard says, hey, you guys are gun crazy. What are you, nuts? And he picks up the steak and he... He diffuses the situation. And the credits roll, and we learn that, you know what, just turning the other cheek, that's what you got to do. Yeah, but what, what, what we, but what Stoddard comes away with the lesson, <laughs> and, and, and here Ford is right in your right. face. He says, he says, yeah, uh, yeah, your law books really scared him off. Right. And Stoddard finally says, it, 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 like, okay, I get it. It was the gun. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That's right. And because all Sauter does in that scene is kicks the can down the road. He kicks right? the, right. So Liberty, Liberty lives. Liberty lives. And, and to, to wreak more havoc. And I want to, you know, wreak that on the press. Right. On, yeah, right. On, on, right. on the, on the town. But the, you know, without giving away the whole thing, um, uh, uh, it turns, well, I don't, I don't know how much more time we have to go on, but, but what, what Ford is doing here in this film is saying very clearly that under conditions of disorder, there will be these rough and rough and ready characters who aren't, um, who, who aren't, aren't the law. It's not the law. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not cultured. And there's all kinds of symbolism in that movie right. that shows how Stoddard yeah, right. is the is the Stoddard is the true picture of civilization, of education and culture and law. That's and, right. And you, all the things you would that, tell people to pay attention to the dialogue about the, the desert rose the desert, versus a cultured desert rose. rose. Right, right, right. Right. Donovan being a desert rose, Stoddard the cultured rose. Right, right. right. And 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 so eventually, um, uh, we we see that Liberty Valance gets killed. Should I really give it away? Uh, Maybe you could just say a gun becomes necessary. Yeah, a, gun, to, a gun does become. Even Stoddard recognizes right. a gun becomes necessary, but he's not competent in the gun, right. and that's the other issue. You right. know, it's like when you, you know, it's one thing to say that that law needs to be backed by force, but it needs to be backed by competent force. A competent force, yeah. Competent, competent force. credible force, right. Yeah. So we need men of, I mean, under well, strict just word terms, we, the word violence is wrong here, but we need men of violence to be able to make a place for civilization and a place for law to well, and that's a, And this is, and this is, but, but see, this is, this is the irony of it, including the classic statement at the end, you know, when it's, when, right. you know, when, this is this is the West, and when fact becomes legend, print the legend. Right. You got to see the film to kind of understand what's going on there. But it's the other thing with Ford is he doesn't. He 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 really pulls the strings on the ambiguity of that man who's on the edge of the law mm-hmm. of the because because it's it's we know from the beginning of the film that's that Tom Donovan dies impoverished. He dies. People stealing his boots. The, right. the Undertaker dies alone. Right. He dies alone. He does. You know. It, you know. He's he's never a part of the community. And what's that remind you of? Of course, if you're familiar with the epic, great Ford film, The Searchers. Ethan, you know mm-hmm. the really who who is who's almost he's a, not a very attractive character, but he ends up saving Debbie, the little girl, and. Domesticity, domesticity is closed to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, this amazing framing, amazing scene, framing right? scene where he's outside uh, the family and and civilization, and so, and so, uh, uh, to bring it back to the whole this whole thing, we can, you know, we can only um, we can only afford that very bright distinction between all the cultural civilizing influences under conditions of of order and stability in the first place and when that breaks down well you know 
um, what do you get? You get good people, it said, up in Kenosha. You know, you, that's a big bunch of hunters who would never think about, you know, you know, pulling their rifles out for any other reason than go hunting. They're sitting around, reports sitting around in their living rooms up at night with their hunting rifles loaded. Right. It's like, so, so what happens, you know, when you're in, in that kind of a situation of disorder and we should not be surprised when, that's right. You know, dumb 17 year old kids, you know, strapping an AR 15 across their, their, um, their chests and go up. So go up, go, go up in, into the gunfight. And you wonder all along where where are the grown-ups, both in terms of parenting and and also where it's like you want to say where I, I want to say where the police are because that's deceptive a little bit. Where are the political authorities that Correct. not empowering the police enough right. to how could you not know that there weren't going to be riots given everything else is going yeah, on? Course. That's right. And sending in. And, and and if you have to nationalize the national, if you if you have to call in the state guard, if you have to call in the state police in order to get in there, to uh, to provide security. That's right. I mean, it's it's a tenant within the dress war tradition, right? That that citizens uh, uh, withhold private force for public good because public force will be used for public good. But when that duty, civic duty, is abdicated. What do you expect? What are people supposed yeah. to do under conditions of anarchy then? Yeah. So when, so, so I thought about the, the other thing it brought, brought to my mind um, is that, you know, back in the nineties, when I was first started looking at just war, um, the, the Rodney Dangerfield use at Bellum criteria was, you know, it's like, it doesn't get any respect was the <laughs> legitimate authority. Right. Yeah, right. It was just like it was yeah, a right. checklist. It's like, and so, so you get these stupid conversations about well this this action is is unjust because it doesn't meet the requirements of the uh, you know of of some um uh you know some statute or something but that's not what they're talking about right. you know, it's like you can legitimate authority is under the assumption that a legitimate authority is established right. and again in the west when either you're really out on the frontier right in which you've got you know, like in like in the the searchers, uh, uh, roving. You've got a semi war going on with the Comanche, right. right? And you don't, you know, the you know the, the the nearest authority is is deputized rangers, miles and miles away. Mm-hmm. Well, then, then who's going to uh, you know pro- provide? Um, Provide security. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, just for terms, the you know the the right authority is that person over whom there is no one greater charged with the care this, of this, the responsibility for the superior. care of the political community. And if right. there that person is absent, then it's you right. and your hunting rifle, right. and you know. Well, that's and that's what the and that's what the westerns and it's you know I, we could go like the the, ser- the searchers and and uh tombstone which i love you know we could could do a talk of yeah yeah how how it's these guys are although the herps of course were shit were the sheriffs in kansas they weren't they didn't want to be Mm -hmm. and and doc holiday is certainly you know not you know the most attractive he's he's a great 
character in that right. movie, but right. he's not, you know, he's a bit of an outlaw himself, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it takes the Doc Holidays <laughs> to, That's right. to, to, uh, to come to the rescue here. You That's know? Right. And, and so it, the, the Westerns, Westerns explore that, I think, in a, in a, in a, in a unique way, not, not, not a, a soul way. You get, I've, I've always thought how, uh, the Walking Dead. I don't know if you. Oh sure, the Walking Absolutely. Dead is the Walking Dead. Uh, I think the Marvel films, the superhero uh, films, especially yeah, in Logan. Uh, oh yeah, Logan, you know, yeah. right? Logan, which is a western. Yeah, uh, yeah. But all of those we'll have to save for episode two, Keith. We are <laughs> okay. well out of time. Uh, we should stop now. But uh, any closing statement on all of this to wrap it up? Oh, well, I've been put you on the spot. Statement. Right. No, I I would encourage everybody to watch the man who shot Liberty Valance and and uh, and the searchers and, uh, and 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 just push real hard on that question of, uh, of 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 what is the difference between law and order and what. Um, what are we to think of questions of uh, force in conditions of uh, disorder? Fantastic. Keith Pavlicek, thank you very much.